Welcome back to Prep Work, the Dispatches High School Sports Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Johnson, the Dispatches High School Sports Reporter and sometimes Blue Jackets backup beat writer, as I was today, helping out at Blue Jackets Media Day. Seems like it came out of nowhere, but we're already halfway through the regular season in football. Playoffs are coming up in a lot of the other sports. Golf sectionals start literally next week for Divisions 2 and 3, which is in entirely impossible to believe. It feels like things just started yesterday, but all of a sudden I look at my calendar and as of this weekend, we're three weeks out from Gulf State in Divisions 1 and 2, a month away from state championships in tennis. Football first round of the playoffs is coming up at the end of October, which is going to be here before we know it. By the second week of November, everything will be done except football. And that's not that far away. It's already almost the end of September. I feel like just yesterday it was September 1st, and that was a long time ago at this point. I feel like I say it every week, but time really does fly, especially when you're having fun like I am. That was cheesy. I won't make that joke again, but I am having fun. It's been a really fun fall so far. It's been my first high school sports fall up here. I started in February, for those of you who know. So experiencing Ohio high school football for the first time has been really, really enjoyable. And this week, I thought we would do a little bit of a recap of the first half of the season, talk about some standout players, standout teams, because truly the playoffs are going to be here before we know it. We've already been two weeks into AP poll rankings and the computer rankings, so the playoff picture is starting to take shape a little bit, which is hard to believe that it's going to be here so soon. Um, I'll dive into the playoff picture more deeply in future weeks, especially because this year, obviously, more teams are going to make the playoffs than ever have before. 16 in each region. There's going to be a lot to talk about, a lot of storylines, and I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but I'm definitely already looking forward to the postseason. Since it's already starting to feel like fall, feels like things are really starting to happen and things are really coming. So speaking of some of the top teams in the area, I think obviously we got to start with Upper Arlington. They were the unanimous number one team in our Super 7 poll this week, and it's pretty easy to see why. After a week one scare, comeback win against Reynoldsburg, they've been absolutely rolling. I saw their game two weeks ago at Westfield Central and came away super impressed, not only with the offense, which I knew going into the game was really strong, especially after that week one performance where they came back from a big deficit and put up 40 points. But I was really impressed also with the defense. They completely shut down Westerville Central, and they shut down Central Crossing last week as well, and neither of those teams are slouches. It was not like they were playing a team that they were beating 77 to nothing like New Albany did against New York. They were playing you know, teams that I expected to be a little bit competitive, and the defense was able to completely shut them down. Carson Gray socket running back continues to rack up the yards and the touchdowns. Last week, I talked to uh, Buddy White, the coach at Reynoldsburg, about Carson after he put up 400 yards on them week one. And what he told me was he's glad to see that uh, Carson does that every week to every team. So it's not just them because after week one, they were feeling a little stung by it. But now that he knows it's just what Carson Gray does, he feels a lot better about it. Marysville and Hilliard Derby have also been really impressive. Big Walnut has surprised some people, including me, with its 5-0 start. I believe it's the first since 2013, maybe even longer ago than that, but certainly it's been a minute since they started 5-0, and and they've looked really, really impressive. Derby's loss to Gahanna Friday night doesn't look great, especially because Gahanna had COVID issues and only practiced once before the game. We're still missing a bunch of people. It was close, 17-14, and going undefeated is really hard. I've seen Derby play twice now, and I can definitely say that's a good team. And they play Marysville this Friday, which we'll talk about in a little bit when we take a look at some of the big games this week. But that one is definitely 
a really big game and one that a lot of eyes will be on as far as the top teams in Division One facing off. So other teams that have impressed, Bloom Carroll, West Jefferson, Burn Union, New York Catholic, they're all 5-0 and and have had some big wins. Granville, also 5-0. and I did the math, and there are 55 5-0 and teams in the state, and 10 of them are in Central Ohio, which is pretty impressive, especially given the caliber of teams that you have up in Cleveland and Cincinnati. It seems like when you read the AP poll, the first two teams in every division are Cincinnati, but then Central Ohio is right in there. So hanging with the big guns from around the state for sure. There are also teams like Marysville that are 4-0, and but had a game canceled, so could potentially be 5-0 and had they played five games. Um, so we'll make sure we include them when we talk about teams that are 5-0 and at the halfway point of the year. Be on the lookout for a story about those teams that are undefeated at the halfway point this week. I'll be breaking down what they've got in common, how they've all been able to do it. A quick hint is that they're all pretty good on offense and pretty good on defense, which sounds really obvious. But sometimes there are teams that win one way or the other, and these teams have pretty much just put up a lot of points and also held their opponents to not very many. Sounds like a simple formula, but it's hard to do well every week, as we all know. In the City League, Afrocentric and South have been really impressive. I want to make sure they get a shout out here. Afrocentric is number 10 in the latest poll, and South's offense is operating at an unbelievable level. They haven't played super tough competition. The one really good team they've played is Afrocentric, which they did lose, but it was close, 14 to 12. The part that stands out to me the most about that is that South has scored 60 or more points in every other game they've played, and Afrocentric somehow held them to 12. So that says a lot about Afrocentric's defense and what they're able to do. As far as standout players go, I get emails every week about what Tyler Beecher is doing at West Jefferson. He's one of the most productive quarterbacks in the state so far this year. I think he was already hovering around 1,000 yards after only three games, and every week he's got another 250-plus yards, three touchdowns. It's run-of-the-mill for him at this point, and I think it's easy to forget that those are pretty impressive numbers, particularly when 250 is all but the baseline, and he tends to go up from there. Um, there are a bunch of high-end quarterbacks around Central Ohio for sure, but Beecher's numbers definitely leap off the page. I'm hoping to see him play in person at some point in the next couple of weeks, which should be fun. I also want to mention Ty Taylor at East, who has eight interceptions through the first five games of the season, which at this point looks like it's the most in the country. Ohio did start earlier than most of the other states, so on a per-game basis, it may not be the most, and Not every team puts their stats on max preps, but certainly enough do that you can get a good sense that eight is really impressive. The most on max preps across the nation is seven. So obviously impressive that he's got eight in five games. I believe that seven was in four games. So about on the same pace, but raw numbers. Ty Taylor currently has the most as far as I can tell, as far as I'm aware. He's only about five, seven as well. So that speaks to a level of athleticism and ability to tell where the ball is going to go. Really strong football instincts, playing safety for East. Hoping to see him Friday night and figure out what makes him so successful at disrupting the opponent because clearly he is having a really, really strong season in the secondary for them. We see Carson Graysock, who I talked about earlier, super impressive. Blake Horvath at Hilliard Darby is having a strong year. Um, Jaden Garns at New Albany at running back has been really good for them. And there are a whole bunch of other names as well. Orlando Camara at Pick Central is having a strong year. Many, many others. So these are just sort of off the top of my head, guys that I know have stood out, um, and I don't want to give everything away because I do have a story coming this week with some midseason top performers and giving out a few awards at the halfway point. So make sure you check that out and feel free to tweet at me um, at Bailey A. Johnson underscore or email me bjohnson at dispatch.com with who you think have been the best players and teams through the first half of the season.
And looking ahead to this week, we're in it. Conference play is heating up. There have been a few OCC games so far in the Mid-State League and City Leagues have been playing for the last couple weeks, but we're firmly in conference play now. There are some big, big games in the OCC this week, big games all over the area. Week six looks like it's going to be a good one. The last couple weeks when I've been talking about games that are coming, it's been a little bit challenging. I don't want to say challenging, but I've had to think hard about what I think are going to be the best games. And this week I read the schedule and I'm like, oh my gosh, that game's going to be good. That game's going to be good. That game's going to be good. I wish I could clone myself because there are at least four games I would like to see this Friday night. And unfortunately, I can only go to one and follow the others on Twitter as best I can. But that said, obviously, Darby Marysville is a huge one. Big implications in the conference. A 4-1 and team going up against a 4-0 and team. They're ranked right around each other in the state poll in the first week. And this week, Darby slipped outside the top 10, but still got a good number of votes. So essentially a top 10, top 12 matchup. I believe Darby is just behind Pick Central as far as teams receiving votes, which would make them unofficially 12th in the state. So huge, huge, huge Division One matchup there. Westerville North at Westerville South also has the potential to be really interesting. Westerville South had some tough times this year dealing with COVID and with a new starting quarterback and stuff, but there's certainly a lot of potential on that team, particularly with guys like Caden Saunders, who at any given time can break off some unbelievably athletic play. And Westerville North has, I think, surprised some people with how good they've been. So that one has potential to be interesting, especially as a crosstown rivalry with all the bragging rights that are associated with that. Hilliard Bradley should give Upper Arlington the biggest test they've had since maybe week one. It's been a light couple weeks for Upper Arlington, rolling to some easy wins, shutting teams out. And I think Bradley is really going to push them and give them a test. It's a home game for Upper Arlington, which probably gives them a little more of an advantage. But that'll definitely be an interesting one to follow and see. If Bradley can push Upper Arlington, I certainly expect UA to win that game. But I'd like to see it be closer than they've played lately. Maybe only one or two scores as opposed to the five or six score games they've been winning. Obviously, DeSales at Hartley this week is another really big game. That's a perennial rivalry and will be a fun one. I know DeSales sort of flipped the script on Hartley last year and beat them all three times they played. This year, they're only going to play once. So big, big, big rivalry in the Central Catholic League. And that should be a great one. I wish I could be there. I wish I could be at Darby Marysville. I wish I could be at any one of the good games in the Mid-State League. These are just a few that I picked that stood out to me right off the top, but certainly a very strong week. Should be a very, very fun Friday night of football games. Looks like a lot of really, really interesting games are going to happen this week and for the rest of the season as well. Now that we're in the heart of the conference schedule and league title implications are on the line every week and variety of games, it's so exciting. I hope you guys can all hear how excited I am by the way the season's heating up. I think it's going to be a really, really fascinating run to the finish line over the next five weeks. It's going to fly by even faster than the first five weeks already have, I'm sure. And turning away from football, we should probably talk a little bit about Athlete of the Week. Um, That poll is up. Voting is open until 4 p.m. on Friday. Although, as I say that, we're going to turn away from football. Most of the nominees this week are football players, and we would love to have this be more representative of the variety of sports that are happening. So please make sure you're getting those nominations in every week by Monday at noon to sports editor Brian White. You can email them to him at bwhite1 at dispatch.com. And we also have stories on our website at dispatch.com that explain how to nominate all the regulations and requirements as far as making sure you send in statistics and making sure 
the games fit into the time frame we're looking at and all that sort of fun fine print um, that's all over the website and easy to find. I'll have it linked on my Twitter as well for all of you looking to nominate your athletes. But on the ballot this week, we have Debbie Agudosi at Olentangy Football, caught four passes for 115 yards and two touchdowns in their win over Reynoldsburg. Ashlyn Belcher in Highland Volleyball set a school record of 2,000 assists. Really impressive because I know last week Mia Saunders at Westerville Central hit 1,000 assists in her career. So the idea that somebody has double that, very, very cool. Tyson Bowes, Dublin Toyota. Caught six passes for 113 yards and three touchdowns in their win over Worthington Kilbourne. Ava Bruns at Delaware Hayes on the soccer team there. Back-to-back hat tricks against Westville North and Worthington Kilbourne. Has 10 goals on the year. Super impressive. Tyler Buescher, West Jefferson football. Completed 22 of 28 passes for 292 yards and two touchdowns in their win over Springfield Catholic. Another almost boring game for him at this point if he's not breaking 300 yards, but Unbelievably impressive what he's been doing this year. Wyatt Buxton at Westville North completed 14 of 19 passes for 225 yards and three touchdowns in their win over Delaware Hayes. Carson Crouch, the quarterback at Granville, passed for 174 yards and three touchdowns. Bray Friesner at Burn Union totaled 244 yards and four touchdowns on only six touches in their win. He rushed for 207 yards and three touchdowns on five carries, which is an unbelievable average of yards per carry and had a 37-yard receiving touchdown. Spencer George at West Jefferson totaled 175 yards and five touchdowns, three rushing and two receiving in that win over Springfield Catholic. Dewan Green at Pickerington North rushed for 204 yards and three touchdowns on 27 carries in their win over Olentangy Orange. Carson Graysock had 158 yards and two touchdowns on 21 carries in their win over Central Crossing. Ethan Gargenmeyer at Olentangy Football passed for 233 yards and two touchdowns in the win over Reynoldsburg. Devin Haley at Granville ran for 171 yards and three touchdowns on 111 carries. Amari Jenkins at Dublin Scioto completed 18 of 32 passes for 253 yards and three touchdowns in their win. Dijon Jennings, Reynoldsburg passed for 191 yards and a touchdown and ran for an additional two touchdowns in their 31-30 loss to Olentangy. Sakura Johnson on the Olentangy Orange soccer team is a four-year starter and a key defensive midfielder. She's currently leading by quite a bit. It was over 400 votes last I saw. Peyton Lester on East Knox passed for 252 yards and three touchdowns and ran for a touchdown in their win. Dane Nauman at Highland rushed for 137 yards and a touchdown. Sophia Penagore at Dublin Jerome had two goals, four assists, and eight points over the past week. She had two assists in a 3-0 win over Thomas Worthington. And two goals and two assists and a 5 nothing win over Pickerington Central. Dylan Reyes at Olentangy Berlin was 13 of 20 passing for 367 yards and four touchdowns. What an average per completion that is. I'm not going to do the math because I'll probably get it wrong. But even with my minimal math skills, I can tell that that's a lot. Nate Severs at Big Walnut rushed for 297 yards and three touchdowns on 33 carries. And also caught a touchdown pass in their 38-7 win over Westerville South. Liston Schroyer at Watkins Memorial passed for 245 yards and three touchdowns in their 42-6 win over Utica. J.J. Siebert at Olentangy Liberty rushed for 139 yards and three touchdowns on 16 carries and was 8-11 for 11 passing for 94 yards in their win over Westerville Central. Garrett Summers at Logan Elm ran for two touchdowns and passed for one in a 21-0 win, so he accounted for all of their points. 
and Jonathan Weir and Hillary Davidson, who I saw play, rushed for 142 yards and a touchdown on 15 carries in their 47 win over Thomas Worthington. Both Weir and Leo Nixon formed a two-headed monster at running back that was really hard for Thomas Worthington to stop. I was impressed with their speed, their agility, the way they turned nothing into something and came up with big gains where it seemed like they were about to get dropped for a loss. They were both really, really efficient and really helped lead Davidson to that win. I remember talking to um, Davidson's coach after, and despite the point total on the scoreboard, he was a little bit disappointed in the way his team played, but he definitely was not disappointed in the performance of his two star running backs. So that is our Athlete of the Week ballot for this week. Again, voting closes at 4 p.m. on Friday, and Sakura Johnson at Olentangy Orange is running away with it right now. So whether you would like to vote for her or you would like to stop her from winning, Make sure you get those votes in. Um, last two weeks have been pretty close, which is always fun to see. So would love to make this one close as well. Other than that, I think that's it for this week. Um, we'll catch up next week and talk about hopefully some really exciting games this Friday night. I hope whatever game everyone attends, you enjoy it. And it's a fun one. The weather's turning cooler. Hopefully we all survive tomorrow's rain as I'm recording this on Tuesday evening. Wednesday's looking pretty nasty, so hope nobody floats away in the rain. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Bailey A. Johnson underscore, and I am always happy to hear from people who read us or want me to write about something in particular. Please always reach out. You can email me as well at bjohnson at dispatch.com. Make sure you're following The Dispatch at Dispatch Alerts on Twitter and at Dispatch Sports on Instagram. And make sure you're subscribed as well to the dispatch at dispatch.com slash subscribe now. And we'll see you next week. Good morning.